This week, the Rural Roundup is bringing you something a little different. We spoke to six diversified farm businesses across Scotland, asking them about their journeys, the conversations they had along the way, and the decisions they had to make. This week, we're going to hear the story of Laura Beck from the Paw Park. The Paw Park is an exclusive use dog play park located just outside Hawick in the Scottish borders. It's run by Laura and Angus Beck alongside the family farming business with Laura's parents. The diversification venture opened in August 2021 and has been a valuable addition to the farm business. Callum Johnston, one of our FAS advisors and FAS TV producers, sat down with Laura to find out more about her unique diversification idea. Well, Laura, it's great to have you on the podcast this afternoon. Thanks for for joining us. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. Yep, how are you? Yeah, good. All good, thank you. I have to say, uh, I've been really looking forward to this episode. And I know that my colleague, Kerry Hammond, our executive producer of Fast Sounds, who's sitting alongside me, is also extremely excited as a big uh, dog lover. Um, it's not it's not often that we get the opportunity to talk about dogs on the Farm Advisory Service. So, so today is a very good day, actually. Um, I wonder, Laura, just to, to kind of kick things off, uh, could you tell us a bit about your farm and uh, what enterprises you've got on the farm? Yep, sure. Uh, so we farm in at Hoyk in the Scottish Borders. Um, we farm across two holdings. So we've, we've also got a farm down at Berwick-upon-Tweed, which is obviously in England. So we farm both sides of the borders, so, um, which can be quite interesting at times. Um, so the farms are obviously... There's about 40 miles between the two of them, so they're, they're run kind of as separate businesses. Um, but in total, it's around about 1,000 acres that we're farming. Um, so a farm here with uh, my parents and husband Angus. So there's um, plenty of us here. Uh, it's a mixed farm. So up at Hoyt here, we've got a herd of about 100 suckler cows, Hereford Cross uh, cows, and also uh, some arable um, which sometimes people are surprised up at Hoyk, but you can grow arable crops up here, so that's good. Um, and down at Berwick, it is all arable with um, the calves from up here. They go down there to be fattened over the winter, so it works quite well between the two places. Um, we've kind of diversified in the past, uh, before we started the Paw Park, um, into a few different things. So we've, we've also got caravan storage here. Um, so we've got about 80 caravans stored on the farm at Hoyk. Um, Angus, he does quite a lot of spray contracting and some other contracting work. And mum does also does some consultancy and, and valuation work alongside the farm. Uh, so there's there's quite a bit going on, but um, plenty to keep us all busy. So that's good. Yeah, brilliant. Sounds like a really diverse business, actually. There's yeah. certainly yeah. certainly a lot going on. And have you always been on the farm or, you know, is is it relatively new to you? No, um, so I was obviously grew up in farming and I've always kind of been surrounded by agriculture, but I actually work four days a week as a, a senior agricultural officer at our local ARPID office in Galashiels. So um, I'm only part time on the farm, so I work a Wednesday on the farm. Um, well, a Wednesday and various other times of the week, but an official Wednesday on the farm. Um, which I suppose, you know, is it's diversification in itself with another income stream coming into the business. So um, so I left uni probably, seems like ages ago now, about 10 years ago now. Um, and 
went to Australia and New Zealand um, after I studied in at Newcastle Uni doing agriculture. Um, and then after that, I actually have been at the department for around about 10 years now, just in a few different roles. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a nice mix and it's, it's good to get off the farm, you know, for a fair part of the week. So, um, yeah, I've, I've always been involved with agriculture, but, but not necessarily just on the farm. Oh, brilliant. So tell us uh, more specifically about the Paw Park then. How did that idea all come about? Um, it was probably through um, through lockdown, really. Um, you know, we're always looking for different ways of adding additional income streams to the business. And, and you, know, I think most farmers probably think of diversification quite a lot of the time. And, you know, you're always thinking of new ideas for things. But um, throughout lockdown, we live right next to the town of Hoyk. So everybody nowadays has a dog. So there was you know, and everybody was out walking. So there was hundreds of dogs out and about on the roads, but they were always on the leads and, they, you know, they never really got a right good walk. So they were always, you know, they, they were just going around the road. Um, so it it seemed like a sort of crazy idea when you when you spoke about it to other farmers or sort of farming friends, but because we all, you know, just let our dogs out and hardly take a lead out on a walk and away they go running around the fields. But um, there's there's quite a few dog walking fields around the country. So it just seemed like a thing that would fit in quite well with our business um, as it is already. You know, we have, um, we, you know, we've obviously got fields that we could use for that purpose. So that's really how it came about was to try and provide a, a space for dog owners to be able to bring their dog where they could let it off the lead, have a real good run around, and and ha- in a you know safe and secure environment where they didn't have to worry about you know livestock roundabout or other dogs is, is a big factor nowadays, um you know and they could just have peace of mind and bring their dog to a a nice place to exercise it. That sounds great, and I wonder just if you could perhaps elaborate a wee bit further. So, I mean, I've been to a few uh, dog parks around the country I've, I've sort of seen how they work but I wonder mm-hmm. for those listening to this podcast who aren't familiar with what dog parks are could you perhaps talk us through what the paw park is and what experience dogs and their owners get when they come along to the farm yep yeah, so um well one of the main factors you know when deciding so we decided we were going to set up a dog play park or a dog walking area and then you know it sort of developed on from there that we didn't just want it to be a field where people let their dogs off but more so that the dogs there was lots of enrichment for them to you know keep the dogs entertained and also so it was a nice place for people to come we didn't want it just to be a little part of a a wet part of a field that wasn't really much use for anything else and so um probably the first thing that people comment on when they arrive at the Paul Park is the amazing view that there is. So it looks right over Ruber's Law, which is a kind of big hill here in the borders, and it looks down the valley. So um, it's a nice place for people to come. You know, it's it's obviously been re-sown with grass. So it's, it's a nice green field. Um, and it's been deer fenced, so it's obviously completely secure for the dogs. They can't jump out. It's you know, right into the ground so they can't dig their way out so that, you know, owners can have complete peace of mind that their dog is safe in the paw park. 
Um, so they, there's lots of things within the ballpark. So we've got um, you know play equipment, we've got sand pits, we've got tires to jump through, walkways, A-frames, you know stairs, jumps, bending poles, lots of different things for them to do. We've got like scent pots for the dogs to sniff. You know dogs. I mean, a lot of dogs that come in, all they want to do is actually just run around and smell all the different things because that's much more attractive to them than actually jumping and uh, running a, running up tires or whatever. Um, and we've also, you know, got a picnic bench and a shelter um, for people to bring their picnic, bring their fish and chips, whatever they, whatever they want to bring. And they can, you know, a lot. We get a lot of families coming, and you know, the kids are fenced in as well as the dogs so they can just sit and have a nice hour looking at the view um, and it's it's just a nice place for them to be uh, so it's about three and a half acres of of field so it's obviously you know it's quite a big area um, and you really you know you really feel like you're at a at, you know in the middle of nowhere with your dog you can you know a lot of people just walk around the outside so that they're basically having a walk at the same time um, so there's there's lots of things for dogs to do and and yeah keep them entertained. Yeah, brilliant! It's great that uh, not only dogs enjoy it, but also families enjoy it. And you know, you you mentioned there that families can come along and enjoy, you know, the, enjoy the great outdoors, which is which is great. So, you know, how do you manage people on site? You know, is there like a secure entry system? How do how would people know that their time is is coming to an end and that type of thing? Yeah, so we have a website um, where people go on and they book their slots. So on the website, it's got information about the park, what's at the park. It's got um, our terms of use. So obviously, you know, it's quite important that we make sure that people are aware of what they're signing up to when they come to the paw park. Um, and so they basically we've got an online diary they can go on select how many dogs they're bringing and then select their an available time slot uh, they just pay online so just they just pay with a card um, and they then get a confirmation email which tells them that they'll get an email with the combination lock for the for the gate 24 hours before their slot or we get a lot of last minute bookings so like this morning I would have got there was maybe two people booked in for the day whereas now we've got about six people booked in for the day. So a lot of people, you know, they wait and see what the weather's going to be um, and they book on the day. So then they just get sent the code at the time of booking. So then they can just basically turn up at their time. Um, so that it's, it's, it's a 50 minute slot. So they then have 10 minutes at the end of their slot to then tidy up the tennis balls and the whatever else, they want, put their sandwich wrappers in the bin um, and get in their car or get their, you know, get their dogs gathered up, get in their car and vacate the car park. So that's quite an important thing because obviously we get quite a lot of sort of nervous and reactive dogs that come to the paw park. So we want to make sure that it's not a stressful um, experience for them. So we don't really want other people in the car park at the same time. So that's why we give them that 10 minute sort of breathing space to, to get all loaded up and vacate. Um, I have to say that we don't get too many problems with people overstaying their time because generally you know we are quite well booked up so if they're not out of the car park by then then there's generally someone sitting in their car waiting to get in so uh, it does work quite well and the booking system um I generally say if they give me 24 hours notice then 
they can swap to a different time you know if something you know plans do change so that's absolutely fine um but i don't offer i don't generally do refunds just purely for an admin point of view you know uh but i do say you know they can swap to a different time yeah, that's really good and you, you mentioned there you know some some dogs perhaps perhaps you know it might be a stressful environment you know they, they might not be used to seeing other dogs do you find that you get some trainers that come along to use the facilities as well as just private individuals yeah so in the summer we have a, a lady a local lady who um she runs training classes in in the paw park at night times so um people just she just books a slot for however many dogs are coming and then she organizes them through that so so that that works quite well and that's also you know it's good for us it's good um you know publicity for us because then the people they might come on their own and book their own slot to then practice what they've learned in classes um so yeah we we get a few people like that we get a few dog walkers we get um yeah quite a lot of people that book um dog birthday parties so um you know anything's anything's possible these days you know people are completely dog mad so we do get quite a lot of birthday parties in the paw park where they book and they, they maybe invite all the their dog's puppies back for the day or they sometimes just invite their dog's friends around for the day and, and they have a have a little party for an hour so it is it, it's nice to see because you know there is it it's 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 a nice place for people to come um especially on a nice day you know it's south facing on a, on a even in the winter you know on a on a cold day if the sun's out it, it's still a nice place to sit and have your your dog birthday cake if, if that's what you're what you're wanting to do on your Saturday so um yeah we get various different groups of people um yeah I've actually also like in the past I've had people ask if they can bring their their rabbits someone asked to bring the rabbits but I did actually say no to that because someone else said oh you have to watch for uh, birds of prey so I thought oh that might maybe a bit risky but yeah I think people just see it now as a space as a secure space which actually you know is is a good place to bring various different dogs or whatever groups of kids <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's great it's, it certainly sounds really really welcoming and uh, it actually leads me on quite well to my next question and you know it's it's great to see lots of people out in the countryside and enjoying the countryside and walking their dogs responsibly but unfortunately as we all know there have been you know some instances of of horror stories and and real issues with dogs sheep worrying and and livestock attacks which you know is a is a real problem for many farmers uh, which has you know devastating impacts uh, around the country so i guess how does the pop art combat this and as a farmer yourself what advice would you give to dog owners across the country i think the paw park probably you know i think a lot of dog owners they don't sort of realize um necessarily the risks of walking through the livestock so even when you have your dog on a lead you know i probably i wouldn't take my dog up even through a field of cows on a lead um which but i think because the advice out there is that you know make sure you have them on a lead or i know it says avoid the area altogether but sometimes you know there's no other option or so I think I suppose the paw park provides somewhere where people they know that they aren't going to come across any livestock but they can still let their dog run free 
So, you know, a lot of people, they, they're now almost too scared to actually let their dog off anywhere outside of their own garden because, you know, they're worried about the, the consequences if their, if their dogs do, you know, get into livestock, which, you know, obviously is a risk, um, especially in the summer when there's, you know, stock in basically all the fields around about. So I, prov- I suppose it, yeah, it provides somewhere that, that people don't have to worry about that. So, and the field, the, the paw park does actually have, you know, livestock in the surrounding fields. So it's almost, you know, it's quite a good way for dogs to be able to see livestock, but in a safe and controlled environment where there's there's no possibility that they can get in amongst each other. So, you know, and the cows that are in the fields next door, they're obviously quite used to dogs now. So um, they don't tend to bother too much. But yeah, it, it, it provides somewhere safe that they can they can bring their dog. Yeah, brilliant. You know, many, many farming decisions, if I can sort of think more generally about agriculture and about diversification, many decisions are often made in consultation with family members. It could be input from friends uh, or even getting some external specialist support from consultants or lawyers or whoever it may be. Who were the key people that you spoke to about the Paw Park idea and how did they support you with your plans? Um, yeah, so you're absolutely right. You know, obviously there's, um, you don't know what you don't know and and uh, it's good to speak to people who are obviously experts at what they do. So um, obviously a, a key one was speaking to the council about what planning was required. So we did need planning permission for it. So um so obviously worked with them for that um mum's quite good at the whole business structure and how diversification fits in you know obviously that's quite a key thing and we're all told to diversify and you know find different income streams from our farm but you know you like you say you really need to know the kind of consequences of what you're developing before doing it um to make sure that it's not going to kind of negatively negatively impact on other areas so um dad he he played quite a key role because he makes all the all the play equipment so he tends to uh, recycle them recycle the equipment out of old tires or bits of wood on the farm so you know he he was quite a key part of it because when you look up uh, dog play equipment online you know these things could could add up to a fair amount of money so you know having someone like that on hand to help with that sort of thing obviously saves a lot on the setup costs um We've got a really good fencer here, Roger. So he, I don't think, would ever want to put up another deer fence on a slope ever again. But uh, <laughs> he did do it with a bit of help from me and Agus. So um, that was obviously a key part in the in the setup. Um, but probably one of the main things that I would, you know, say has really helped is that. Um, a friend of mine, Alyssa, who works in marketing, she um, helped me with the kind of marketing of it, I suppose, right from the start. So, you know, if I was going to do it myself, I would have made a Facebook page and put a few posts on Facebook and made Instagram and thought I was doing a good job. Whereas she, you know, obviously works in that area. So she knows, she knew how to make the post kind of look professional and how to, you know, engage with the right people and the right hashtags. And, the, you know, it's a whole new world. Um, which really had a really kind of positive uh, impact right from the start. You know, she really managed to 
to engage with a lot of people bef- right before we even opened and kind of build up the the opening. Uh, so I would say that has massively helped us in the in you know, and she continues to to you know help me out with that, which you know I'm really grateful for. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a lot of people that that you you need to speak to, and and you know what it's like diversification. It doesn't just happen, and it 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 does just take. Um, you know, you just have to sometimes just go for it and pick up the phone and speak to the council and see what see what you need. And you know, you can sit and write about all the things that you think you might need, but it's taking those steps to actually get it off the ground, which I suppose is the more difficult part. Yeah, absolutely. You're obviously very experienced at diversification and you've had experience in the past of of launching um, other enterprises. I, I just wonder, Laura, there may be farmers or crofters listening to this um, podcast who may be in a position where they, they want to diversify, but they maybe don't really know what to diversify into. So what would you be your advice to them if... I guess they want to diversify, but they don't really know where to start. Yeah, so I think we've probably all been in that position uh, at some point. Um, and, you know, and we still are, you know, we are still thinking of other ways of diversifying. And it's it is just thinking about, um, you know, what skills do you have? A, a, a big one nowadays, I suppose, is, is what you have to work with. So, you know, it's obviously much harder nowadays to kind of gain access to to more land to farm or you know whatever whether it's buying land or leasing land or contract farming you know there's a lot more competition out there so I suppose we now try to think of ways of utilizing what we have um differently which is you know how the paw park came about so um a big thing I suppose as well is you know what do you want to get out of it you know I didn't want to I really enjoy my job I didn't want to be doing something that actually was going to mean that I had to then leave my job because I didn't have time so you know it it needed to be something really that could work alongside that so I think that's an important thing to think about you know um is it if it's something that's actually going to fit in with your life as well unless you want to change the way that you you know live your life um and it's Another big thing is, you know, we didn't want to do something that was going to negatively affect our core farming business as it stands. So, you know, we didn't want to be spending all of our time on this diversification project once it was up and running so that we were then didn't have as much time to do things with the cows or the, you know, the crops, because that would be kind of counterproductive. So I think that's that is a big thing that you need to think about what is going to be the running the running time of it. You know, obviously this the pop art works quite well because it's it does kind of run itself. I don't want to make it sound too easy, but because it, 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 I think a lot of people think it's, they're like, oh, that's easy. You just let dogs come and run in a field. But it does actually take a wee bit of managing. You know, I do get a few queries. Um, people can't work combination locks. Um, I, I go down, you know, every day and, and tidy up and, and just make sure everything's kind of as it should be. Um, yeah, you use experts where you can. Um, obviously you know sometimes these people can be expensive but you know just speak to people you know there's lots of events nowadays where you can go and speak to to experts without actually having to you know make an appointment and pay a lot of money to do so you know there's there's so much advice out there and there's so many resources as well you know online or in in farming press or or whatever 
Uh, so you know, make use of these things. Um, but yeah, and I, yeah, I suppose one of the other big things is that we are providing a service now, so the customers are paying for a service. So you have to make sure that you're providing the service that they are paying for. You know, I couldn't just set it up and then let it kind of run itself because people would then get annoyed that it you know it wasn't running to time or that they weren't really getting value for money so yeah it's 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 not an easy thing to do I would I would say diversifying I think it's you do really have to think about it and I always think that once you think of something that you think is going to work then if it doesn't kind of feel right then it's it's there maybe is a stumbling block it's easy it, you can find a stumbling block with everything but it's trying to find something that kind of feels right for your business um because you know it might be that actually are you going to make more money going to work somewhere else you know if, if that's what you want to do it's not all about making more money but um you know sometimes that might be the the best form of diversification is actually to go and just work somewhere else a few days a week or, or whatever so uh, yeah there's lots of things to think about which you can talk about all day on yeah but it sounds like you've got a you've actually got a really good balance between you know running the paw park you know being involved in the farm but also managing to have the time to to, to hold down a job as well it must be a really good thing surely yeah no it is a good thing and I as I say you know I really enjoy my job I get to speak to lots of different people I get to go out on farms and and I get to work with some really great people so uh, both at work and at home obviously with the family but um yeah, I think it's it is just finding that balance and it's you know, I've been quite lucky being able to do that. Um so and I, and I, yeah. It, it yeah, it's not an easy balance to strike sometimes, but um it works. So And finally, Laura, just to to kind of wrap up, what's next for the Paw Park? Oh, next for the Paw Park. Um so well we we run social social Saturdays um sort of every couple of months which um they've been really popular so I think you know a lot of people they take their dog to the park and you know what it's like when you're walking around the park you actually actively try and get your dog not to speak to anyone else's dog so then they don't really get any social interaction and you know you're always trying to make sure they don't run up to other dogs or other dogs don't run up to yours so that's that's been a really popular thing so it would be good to kind of build on that a wee bit and whether we run it more regularly or I'd like to have some kind of dog show in the summer next year um you know just a bit of fun for for kind of doggy owners um so we're about to have a we, ha- we do some giveaways so we're about to have a sort of Christmas giveaway um and this time we're I'm sort of collaborating with uh, a friend of mine who runs uh, a dog well she she rears free-range chickens but she now has um dog treats made of you know from the kind of byproducts so pasture poultry pets is katie's business um so we're about to run a, a giveaway kind of in collaboration with her for christmas uh, she's got dog advent calendars so mm-hmm. it would be good to be able to to work with some other businesses uh, going forward again um and probably do some more classes for, you know, maybe some agility classes and things, you know, get 
get someone in, an expert in. I'm no expert in dog agility, neither is my dog, but uh, get someone in and do some things that, you know, to offer something different for people as well as a kind of activity during the, the summer months when it's a bit lighter at night time. So, yeah, a few things in the pipeline. Yeah, and you, you mentioned that you're on social media and you've got a website. So how can people uh, find out more? Yep, so we are um, just at the Paw Park on uh, Instagram and we've got a Facebook page and we've also got a website which is www.thepawpark.net. So check it out and book a slot. <laughs> You'd be more than welcome. <laughs> Brilliant. Just to to round up, Laura, thank you so much for taking the time out uh, this afternoon to talk to us. The Paw Park is really cool. It's a really cool business and a great way to diversify the farm. It's it's also great to provide a safe place for dogs and their owners to to exercise freely. So yeah, thank you again for, for sharing your story with us. Thanks so much for listening to this bonus episode of the Rural Roundup. You can find out more about the businesses and the people featured through the links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this story, please share it with others that you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to subscribe to the channel to get our regular fortnightly episodes as soon as they're released. The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.